Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ear to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. amen. Turn to your neighbor, please, and tell the person that is your portion in Jesus' name. That is your portion in Jesus Turn to somebody else and bless the person that understands your portion. Light is your portion. Direction is your portion. Say healing in every area. That's your portion in the name of Jesus. All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. All right, the Lord is good. Uh, where do we start from? Let's just read what we have been reading again and again. Um, the book of Psalm number 1. Let's start with that. Psalm 1. Let's just start with that one again. Last time I said I wanted to talk about um, the Roman road. And just a historical thing I want to bring out to highlight a practical a lifestyle that we should have as believers. First of all, let's read that uh, uh, Psalm 1. He said, How blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. It will be, David said, like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. And he emphasized that the wicked are not so blessed. That's not their issue. Because they are walking in the counsel of the wicked, and standing in the path of sinners, and sitting in the seat of scoffers. This is the result in their life, or in their lives. Verse 4. They are not so blessed, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. He said in verse 5, They will not stand in the day of judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Let's stop here. Now, I've read this again and again, trying to emphasize that it's a manner of life. There's a way you walk. There's a way you sit. And those things represent, um, in practical terms, they represent the people you talk to. They represent the places you go to look for advice. It's very important. No matter how different you think you are, the kind of people you discuss with, they influence your life. They influence your life. No matter how different you think you are, the kind of people you discuss with, they influence your life. And that is what decides what comes into your life or what will not come into your life. We have talked about before. Listen, be very careful when you are choosing your friends. Be very careful. No matter how rich and successful somebody appears like, Check whether his manner of life is in accordance, like Paul said, with these things that I have taught you. If his manner of life is not in that um, regard, don't have him as a bosom friend. You cannot, listen, you cannot have bosom friends who are unbelievers and your, your faith will be strong. It is not possible. We are not, listen, the way God designed us, we cannot just stand by ourselves and be strong. It's not possible. The way God designed us is that we must have support around us in life. 
the kind of people that support you matter, all right? It matters a lot. The kind of people that are hang around you, they are affecting you. Faith is a substance. When I say substance now, I am not trying to use it even in the light of uh, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1, uh, using the King James expression. I, I'm just, I'm, I'm, my, my understanding, my study over the last, uh, well, over years now, what I've come to realize is that, in fact, I think it's about the most important thing I have personally learned in recent times up to today. It's the most important thing. And that's the fact that faith is like a physical substance that is spiritually not speaking. All right, it's spirit, okay, let me just say the way it is. It's a spiritual substance. You know, you can pour water in a cup. If you put um, water in a cup out here, after some time, let's just a small cup, leave it here. You come back in a week, you may be surprised. So if it's dry season, the water will dry. It goes away. Do you follow my point? That's the way it is. It's a substance like that. And then it gets consumed. That's another point I should make. You use it, all right? It has to be replenished. It, is, it gets used up. Faith is not just a set of systems or methods that you have learned and you become perfect in as time goes on. No, it's not like that. Faith is a substance. I'm tempted to use the word material, but let's use the word material now, but in the spiritual sense. Faith is a kind of material substance that you have inside you and you accumulate with time. And maybe you become more proficient in getting it with time, but you must have it. It depletes, that's what I'm going to emphasize, depending on the kind of environment you are in. There are things that can leak your faith. And this is the interesting part. You may not realize that your faith has leaked until you need it. You know, look at somebody like um, 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 Samson. He thought that the anointing or upon his life was still there. It was when he tried to use it, he realized that the thing was gone. Sometimes people have faith. They, they think they have faith. They don't realize that the thing has leaked. So what I want to just emphasize to us as believers is that don't, don't even try and measure whether your faith is high or low. Just make sure you keep on feeling it. Are you getting my point? Yes. You keep on feeling it and you plug every leak to it. I was telling you guys the other day that um, my colleagues had a chat group, all right, and they were always discussing things. I kept on telling them these discussions, I don't understand the way it's going. I, out of respect to the body of people, I remain in the chat group. But after a while, I couldn't take it anymore. I said, if I'm going to continue like this, I just woke up one morning. I just quickly removed myself. Those who want to be offended, let them be offended. All right? But I just said to myself, I, I plan to tell my chairman when I see him next time that if I listened to people like you, I would never have come to Enugu. Anyway, let me not talk about them now. But the point is that I said, these guys will lick my faith. No matter how strong I think I am, all right, they will lick my faith. So simply, I pulled myself out of the system. Very important. Please, you must guard your faith. You must guard your faith. If you find out that any time you watch a particular TV channel, you I, I didn't know your faith is going away. Let me just tell you. You used to sleep well before. You stopped sleeping well. You know, you used to talk nicely because, one of, in fact, I need to talk, explain it again. There are manifestations of faith in the, in the life of somebody. There are manifestations. Maybe, I, maybe later on I will talk about, talking about that substance of faith. I go more into how to acquire faith and the manifestations of that faith in the lives of people. It is very important we understand it. There are manifestations of faith. If you become, now, listen to this, I'm very practical here. If you are arguing with people more than you were arguing before, your faith is, is, is not, it's not being eroded, it has weakened. Listen, if you, if you just realize that you're panicking more than you used to panic before, your faith has weakened. Something has leaked your faith. You are operating at a low level. Listen to this, though. If you fall sick more than you used to fall sick before, <laughs> I am not joking, your faith is weak. 
Today, how are you doing? Man, I feel a knock man down. The following day, how are you doing? A headache. A week later, back pain. Another week, what happened now? I'm not seeing clearly. So I'm going to see the doctor. After that, what happened again? Oh boy, I don't know whether it's where I sat. My back has been, ah, in one month. You think all the demons of this life, they redirected to your direction? No, your faith has become weak. And those are the little things. Oh, and let me add another one to it. If you are a husband and you are a wife, you and your wife used to be very happy before then. Every day, these days now, every little thing, argument. Suddenly you are quarreling more than you used to quarrel for disagree on everything. Listen to me, your face is leaking. That's just what I make. It has leaked. Now, it has leaked. These are the things we do in life, that is, we observe in life, and we know that we have to go back and reload. Faith is like that. It's like something, you know, I, I meditated over um, a few days ago because I was just trying to understand it, understand it. Then just about yesterday or day before, something just hit me again. And I realized that when the Bible says that in him was life, that word life, all right, in the scriptures, again, is a spiritual substance. It's a spiritual substance. Life is a spiritual substance which enters into you as you connect with Christ. Life is in Christ. Now, it just hit me that actually what we, a lot of the spiritual attributes we find are the manifestations or they are the expressions of that life. They are the expressions of that life. For example, the ability to show the love of God to people is a manifestation of that life. The ability to have faith, and that's why I keep I've been emphasizing, faith is not a method. Now, for a long time, I think I was confused like that too. I think that faith is you learn certain methods by which you do certain things. No, faith is the manifestation of divine life working in you. It's as if it can be measured, even if you're not using it. It is when faith is inside your heart, you find some manifestations easy. That is why God will say something, and it, you will believe it and act by it. And by, uh, you act, you know, according to that word. God will say to you, go into the promised land, you, you are able. And your name is Joshua, your name is Caleb. All right? You just discover that that thing gave you confidence. Some people heard the same words, but it did not give them that same confidence. They heard exactly the same thing, saw exactly the same giants, saw the same circumstances, the same situations. They didn't have the confidence. They didn't have it. Why? The Bible says there was no faith in their heart. By the time the word came, it did not meet faith in their heart. You know, many years ago, many of you were there when Pastor Paul was teaching. I, that was how, actually what, um, con, that was the first time I went to look for him as a person that, who's the person writing these things? I went to eat somewhere. And I saw a magazine, and the person talked about um, manna, the food of champions. Believe me, what I read that day, I finally was, you know, you can hear something, okay, and you, you think you know it, all right? It's the normal thing about life, okay? But I was able finally to decode that thing properly just about a year or two ago. And I read that thing in 1997. And I was just teaching here, something just, it just hit me. He said something there, this is the point I want to make. He said that, why was it that Joshua and Caleb believed God? Why was it that they felt that they could enter the promised land and take on the giants? The explanation was very funny, alright? You will understand why it took me such a long time to get it. He said it was because they were feeding on manna. 
I like the fact that you, you, know, you don't know what I'm talking about. It's like that. Me too. I thought, I just said, whoever wrote this one, let me go and hear other things he's saying. Even that one didn't make too much sense. I, I suppose that what somebody's eating is affecting what he's doing. Of course, these are spiritual, all right, types. He said it was because they were feeding on manna. And that if you check, Joshua and Caleb, when God gave them manna, they ate the manna with joy. But that the other people, they were the ones desiring the food in Egypt. They were the ones asking for meat. They were the ones making all kinds of demands. And, you know, I just realized that I think, of course, we're not taking that manna this time around, literally. There's no manna, physically speaking. But it's what you're feeding yourself with. That it, it, Faith is not just that, okay, I have heard it and I believe it. I don't know what I get the point. All right? Faith is that there's a substance inside your heart so that when next you hear God speak, it resonates with your person. You make decisions based... I mean, think about it. Joshua, Caleb saw the same problems and had a different conclusion, even though they had, they had the same information, they had the same words. Like, you read the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4, he said the words spoken to them, all right? They had the same thing. Good news was preached to them. They had the same thing, but they came to a different conclusion. That is, when the word entered their heart, it meant something there. That thing the word met in their heart is what is called faith. And that's what I'm teaching, that's what I'm trying to emphasize. When the word met faith in their heart, when they, wrote, when they saw the giants, they believed what the word said, that we will take the land. We are able to take the land. Why? Because God said we can. It's not just the information. I want you to understand it. It's not just the information. It is that a material, oh God, I don't, I keep on using the word material, even though it's spiritual, I want to say, but to let you know the tangibility of the substance we are talking about. What am I saying? It can leak. You can be a man of great faith today, and you're a man of weak faith tomorrow. It can leak. Faith is not like physical stature. So you grow spiritually, you're not a big man. That's not what faith is. Faith is something you acquire. It's like money, as an example. You can be rich today and poor tomorrow. Very possible. It's like food. You can eat and you're so full, they offer you food. You say you don't want. Then a day later, somebody says, ah, look at this man picking food from the ground. Was not the man they offered the best muscle of meat yesterday and he refused it. Yesterday he was full. But now he's empty. And that's what I'm trying to explain to people. You must, you have, you must take care to ensure that your face does not leak. The danger of it is that many times it leaks, we don't even know it's gone. And as I gave those few tips, trivial things like you start falling sick anyhow. And somebody says it is the weather. It's not the weather, it's your faith. You're falling sick anyhow. Somebody says it's because it's an epidemic. It's not the epidemic, it's your faith. The hear news of Lassa fever, you start running up and down. Have you washed your hand? One of my colleagues then, you come to work. I said, well, how now? He said, okay, he goes, give me shoulder. He will pass his shoulder to you. I said, what is happening? He will jokingly remind you that there's Lassa fever. Lassa fever does not kill believers. Lack of faith does. Ebola cannot kill a Christian. Lack of faith is what kills them. 
Bad economy does not kill the, faith, uh, kill the businesses or lifestyles of Christians. It's lack of faith that does it. And it's a terrible thing in society today. That Christians fall for it. Every time somebody decides teaching on how to plan for your destiny and your future, they queue up there. Pay good money. Because one Stanford-educated financial planner has come to town. I'm sorry to say, I won't give you a... When it comes to money, I'm planning my future, I won't give you a couple. I will give my money to preachers. What do you know? You are only talking based on history. You are talking based on what eyes have seen, ears have heard. I mean, and the way life is... <laughs> you know, the other day I read about the tsunami that crippled the Fukushima reactors in Japan. You no, know, that was some... That was two years ago now. Yes. The word tsunami is a Japanese word. So they are used to tsunamis. There was still an earthquake yesterday and on Thursday. All right? The Thursday one, they said it's a pre-shock. That was my first time hearing the word pre-shock. I was used to aftershock. So the Thursday one that killed a few people was a pre-shock of the Friday one. They are used to it. So you know what I'm talking about? They built defenses for the tsunamis. The defense they built, now, that is what I'm telling the story. The defense that was built against tsunami, the, that, the one that affected the Fukushima reactor, all right? That defense was built with the knowledge of the highest tsunami they have ever seen, which happened to have happened in South America. I can't remember for sure, but I think, I think they said the tsunami was like six meters high. So they built defenses against the highest tsunami the world had ever seen. When that one came, it was 18 meters high. It was three times the height of the one that the world had ever seen before. There's nobody, I don't care where you're educated, you can't plan my future for me. Because you can only build your anti-tsunami, you know, uh, defenses based on what you have seen. But when God is going to come with his judgment on the earth, you will not be able to stand him. The day I read that thing, I said, know what the Bible says? Cost be the man that trusts in flesh. It's not like God is, God is angry. He's, so, he's, mocked, he's, he's, he's sorry. <laughs> not as if he's angry, he's sorry. So this man trusts in flesh, he's walking under a curse. But blessed is the man whose trust is in the Lord. <laughs> Listen, the world is engineered to cripple and end your faith. And Christians queue up there a lot of times, learning their words. That's the point I'm making. What should we be doing? Learning the word of God. Faith is not only a tangible substance, spiritually speaking, it's a force. It doesn't just keep your heart at peace. It rises up to defend you in the time of trouble. When Joshua believed God, it was not a joke. When Caleb believed God, it was not a joke. The faith in the heart of Caleb made sure the man could not age for 45 years. That is, Caleb said it clearly to Joshua. Let us test it. I can shoot an arrow as far now as I was shooting it 45 years ago. Let's climb the mountain and go to war. I can do exactly what I was doing 45 years ago. That was the power of faith working in his life. Let me, let me tell you something. Eh? You know the problem we have 
You, me, all of us Christians. It's a simple problem. We don't feed our faith enough. It's about feeding. It's not about learning methods. We spend much time learning methods. We don't just, it's like saying faith, sit down, eat something. We don't do enough of it. Because, let us assume, hypothetically speaking, that the Lord Jesus walked in a level of faith that we can measure at a hundred. Most people that I get on a regular basis, now I'm not talking about what I call the flashes of faith, flame, um, volatile faith, I mentioned about the other day, in which God just pours something, and, but talking about walking normally. Assuming the Lord Jesus walked on this earth at a measure of a hundred. Anybody that attains ten right now is a great man of faith. So if personally, sometimes, you attain something like five, six, you feel like you have faith. I think most Christians operate, if Jesus has a hundred in his days, we operate something between zero and 1.5. Most Christians. So if occasionally we lift up our faith and we cross the five, six, seven level, hit ten, we feel good. We don't understand that if only we are fed that faith, that hundred is attainable. We don't feed faith enough. We eat <laughs> normal food regularly. Okay, many of us now, we are coming from wedding, we chop. Naming ceremony, you eat. Breakfast in your house, you will eat. By afternoon, you're hungry, you eat something. At night, you say, I'm, I'm trembling, you will eat. We feed our bodies regularly. But believe me, we don't, feed, we don't feed our faith that well. That's what I'm talking about. We don't feed our faith that well. How many times have we heard people go on a faith diet? Even when they use the name of God in vain, they put it on food. They call it hallelujah diet. Which is nothing but taking the name of the Lord our God in vain. Now, what I'm going to emphasize is that we come up with all kinds of diets to feed our body, take good care of our body. We don't, generally speaking, have such concerted efforts for taking care of feeding our faith. No, it's very rare. Occasionally we go on, maybe we binge, you know what they call binging? Binge eating. Yes. You know, this, physically, this is what it means. Like maybe I've, I've been on a diet for some days and then one weekend I say, oh, my beg, this diet is not working. It's destroying a man's confidence. You know that kind of thing. You not start eating. You just eat everything. Pack everything to your mouth. Eat bread, eat chocolate, eat yam, eat meat. Just eat everything. And you eat like that maybe for a day or two. They call it binge eating. Now, we do a lot of binge eating in Christianity. Those of us who are good Christians. We pride ourselves in it, but it's nothing but binge eating. That is, we'll go for a conference one week, hear word, morning, afternoon, and night, one week. Next one month, nothing. Nothing. We don't realize that just like physical food, spiritual food is also like that. You can't feed on it so much that it lasts you for the next one month. No. Just like physical food dissipates, spiritual food also wears down. You have to continue feeding it. Once in a while, just take a few days off. Read the Bible, read the Bible, read, 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 read. Study, study, study. Pray, 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 pray. Fellowship, fellowship. Worship, worship, worship. 
It's binge eating. And that's one week, nothing. That is why the faith is not strong. That's what I'm going to emphasize in this series. Faith must be built strong. We don't feed it enough. That's why God emphasized to them, man shall not live by bread alone. What does that mean? Even though you don't get the job, even though your mates are doing four shifts to earn four times the amount of money you are earning, don't worry. The three extra shifts that's giving them the extra money, all right, is not going to amount to anything because man does not live by bread alone. What does it say? Have the confidence to refuse some jobs. And said, no, that's going to eat into my faith-feeding regimen. Take an extra job. You earn more money. Say, man does not live by bread alone. What that money will have produced for me, if I feed my faith well, I speak those words, those things will manifest. <laughs> you know, I told you that sometimes things we call blessing. God calls them vanity. Most of our testimonies, God doesn't want to hear them. Praise the Lord. You know, last year I began to believe God for a car and I was declaring it every day and I put a picture on the wall and I declared it and I put a picture on the wall. After four weeks or four months, the car appeared. Praise God, my faith works. Because this boy used his faith for vanity. We we exercise ourselves and at the end of the day, what we produce is what? Vanity. I will come and testify about it. That's the side side of it. What his life does, let me just quickly tell you. One of the things that Satan does, which God has allowed him to do, is to distract us. Yes. What he gives people is distractions. <laughs> he came to Jesus and offered him political office. Yes. We are going to make you a king. It was an offer. Look, we will become our king. The human beings wanted to place him in a position that is going to cripple what God wants him to do. That's what life is. That's what Satan does in life. Sometimes some of the things we call open doors opportunities. They are nothing but places where our faith will vanish. Satan knows it. And that's why I say, look, look, you are somewhere, your faith is being built. Everything is going on well. So if you take your life stage by stage, suddenly somebody gives you a, a, a claims it's a job. It's going to pay you better. If you move your business from here to here, you make more money. Suddenly the door opens. As you're looking at the door, you can see clearly that the life that was flowing into you from this side is not, absent, is not present here. God does not allow you to be deceived with that one. He can see, you can see clearly. That's what I was saying the other day. When you are making, the, you know, <laughs> I mentioned it here, was it last week or two weeks ago? I said, when you, want, when you want to know whether you really have faith in life, it's not even what you do for yourself, for yourself alone. Check what they are doing for your children. Many people are plotting for their children. They don't put, it's not even inside their minds, whether this child's faith will be built up or not. Let him just get a good education. That's all. God said it clearly to us through Abraham. When he was talking to Abraham and the record of it was given to Moses to write for us. He said the manifestation of God's promise in the life of your children or in the lives of your children is dependent upon whether they learn righteousness and justice or not. Not whether we ha- they have a degree from Harvard. He said, if the promise I've given to Abraham will be fulfilled, his household, his children after him, must learn righteousness and what? 
justice. I think it's more important for parents, therefore, to check if you want to strategize for the destiny of your children. It must be a higher. That is in your scale of preference that they're learning righteousness and justice. Now you know when you get to America, you know, you, if I people will say stupid, stupid things like, I want to have my child in America to give him an opportunity. That is a stupid statement. There are things a Christian will say. God will just come out part of your inheritance. That's, that's your neighbor. So leave that girl. Take, hold. Hold this one. And you hear Christians talk sometimes. Eh? In fact, first, first, when you hear Nigerians talk, you now know why our prayers have been so hard to answer. At least God said, I want to answer you, Banky. <laughs> but look at the brethren you are praying for. <laughs> when they talk sometimes, eh? you know the angels that were carrying blessings, they hang around. Just, just hear them talk. Faith is so weak. You understand why the angels... You, you will understand why fall is cast. No, God said fuel. I get plenty. I can give you people fuel to base if that's what you want to use it for. If not for the flammability, you can use it to base. It's so plenty. Where you, think it, you think it's pipeline that's bringing fuel or ships or refineries. It's God. He just uses those methods. Why don't I give you fuel? God said, wait. You open the door. Listen to the nonsense your brethren are talking. If you were God, would you give them fuel? But there are times I look. He <laughs> said, if I was God, I ain't giving anybody nothing. Everybody bicycle. If you don't, that is. <laughs> to get the angels to share our bicycles. You will go, you go right by force. The most luxurious thing in your society will be Kekena Pep. Why not for the mercy of God? Honestly, why not for the mercy of God? I want to emphasize something. That, listen, in this life, Satan's job is just to distract us away, alright, from the place where our faith will be fed. That's why I want you to know that when people start making plans for their lives, they don't check what will feed my faith. How will my faith be fed? They check what will feed my pocket. What will feed my car? <laughs> what will feed my house? I mean, build a nice house. What will feed all of these things? But once we feed my faith, they don't focus on it. And that is what the problem is. That's why faith is weak. The problem of faith is not that we have not learned the methods. It's that we don't have it. And when we don't have it, it is because we are not feeding it. Because actually, as believers, we are supposed to have it. God has given it to us. Because I now understand that it's an impartation of God's spirit. That's why I said that the word life. You know, I, I thank God that I, I studied science. You know, in science, they talk about energy. Energy can be converted from one form to another. Life is like that also. There are different manifestations of conversion, all right, forms of life. And one of them is faith. When people don't build up their faith, that is, that's a major problem. And as believers, I am convinced. I talk to Christians. That is a major problem. When we talk a lot of times, you can see this talk contains no faith. There are nothing spoken by barrels full of faith. Why? It's simple. We leak our faith every day. Our bosom friends are unbelievers. We hang out to go to... Listen, I'll say this one to you clearly. If you go to a church where all they do is complain and grumble and bind the enemy and face the devil and chase people who do say they will not progress and all of that, leave. Your faith is dying. 
It is dying. You cannot preserve it. It's like you are going to a bucatera where you are supposed to be fed. And they are giving you poisoned food every day. And you are still going back there. That's my grandfather that started it. Last week you went there, you ate. You had diarrhea. Yesterday, you went, you ate. Your eyes still red. What's wrong with you? I don't know what they put in the food. And you are back. Come on. Are you gluten for punishment? Throughout the week, they go nowhere else. Oh. It's not as if they are being fed anywhere else. They come to a buka, a source of food, the cafeteria in their life. And every day, the person is sending them rotten meat. He said, but this meat is not good now. He said, manager, that's the one we have. And you eat it. And you pay. And you are back. Next time you are hungry, to eat again. And when, they, when there's a problem in your family, they tell you it's the devil. Listen, just ban devil from your mouth. Hmm? For one month. Ascribe everything to you and God and you see how your life will change. Just one month. Just look at your life and check your relationship with your God in one month. And see whether your life will not change. This devil bashing is the problem we have had. What called devil bashing? What happened? Your car jammed yesterday. It's the devil. Did you sleep well the last one week? No, I was too busy. And your car can't jam. It's the devil. You were driving, you ran into the gutter because you fell asleep. It's the devil. Like I told you, the fellow who was carrying my colleague, tobacco leaky, the car ran into the bush because the driver fell asleep. God delivered them. It was about to hit a tree. Except that it was soft ground, so the car sank about one meter from a tree. They were going to hit the tree head on like that. But as the good Lord will save them, the car sank into the loose ground. The driver jumped out and said, who is doing this to me? <laughs> that is the problem we are having currently in Christianity. Instead of pointing, asking ourselves what happened, what happened to me, we point at the devil. As I call it, devil bashing. What am I trying to say? We need to feed this faith. Oh. Faith is something you feed. You deliberately pack food, good spiritual food, into its mouth. And if you see where they are feeding your faith with poison, you run. You close your ears. There are TV channels you shouldn't watch. What are you doing watching it? And listen. What you are thinking, what you are believing, they are not neutral things. If every day you tune TV channel, you tell all the problems in society, Boko Haram, kidnapping, gunshot, this and that and that, and you focus on it, focus on it, listen, this is a matter of fact. It builds up fear in you. Fear goes out into the realm of the spirit and starts calling calamity towards you. I know what I'm telling you. It's a matter of fact. What I want to emphasize, you know, in fact, the only one we are read is this Psalm 1, right? Just trying to amplify it again. Why it is necessary we guard, protect, keep, deliberately make sure our faith is fed and nourished. We must deliberately go out to go and look for faith and ensure that it is part full in our hearts. Let's continue reading. The book of Romans chapter 10. I want to give a practical tip today. 
Now the Bible says that to whom much is given? Much is required, yes. Much is expected. There's a reason why you wonder why why am I quoting that. The fact that the person that has much, from him much will be required. Now, the book of Romans chapter 10. Uh, Because I just look at my time, I've spent quite a bit of time talking about the other thing. Uh, Let me see how I can be quick with this. Let's start from the uh, verse um, 8. He said, but what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we are preaching. Talking about how do we go out to go and get faith. I I said I want to give you a practical tip. Remember before we read this, let me just remind us of the one we have been reading. Deuteronomy chapter... Six, right? We read especially verse seven in the Amplified Bible. And what did he say there? He said that this word that I'm speaking to you today, this commandment, shall first be in your heart and your mind. Then you shall sharpen them so as to make them penetrate. He said you shall wet and sharpen them so as to make them penetrate into the hearts of your children. How do you do that? What's the process of sharpening and wetting the edge? It is by constantly talking about it. It's constant repetition. You go over that thing again and again and again and again. And I've been emphasizing to us that we must create a culture of talking about the Lord. We must create a culture of talking the word of God. We must create a culture in which the word of God forms the basis of everything we are discussing. It's a good practice to start something by considering God's word, even if it's not a discussion in the house about food, about your children, about the economy. You start with God's word as a standard and end with divine counsel as the outcome of everything. You analyze everything that's going on in the country, you end with the talk. We know that our Redeemer leave it. Are you getting my point? That must be the end of the talk. Alright? You look at it and say, ah, God wants to bless us in this country. And what we're just observing that I watched on the news, and you start with God wants to bless us. God has a blessing for us. We're the salt of the earth. God wants to pour a blessing to our lives. I heard that pipelines were blown. That's why we have um, um, that vandals went, sab- uh, saboteurs, all right, uh, militants, went and blew up gas pipelines. And that's why we were having problems with the power supply. So I, I heard the president read them a riot act the other day, and it was threatening them. And they have unleashed some heavy divisions of Nigerian Navy to go and clean all the creeks of all of that. You're talking new, so, all right? We started with divine counsel. They end again with divine counsel. In the midst of everything, we trust that God rules in the affairs of men. We pray that he will, give, he will continue to show us mercy. And you talk and all that, but at the end of the day, I know the thoughts he has for us, they are thoughts of good, not of evil. He will give us a future and a hope. He will supply our needs even when things are difficult. He will make all grace abound towards us. We will have all sufficiency in all things. We will abound to every good work. Now, this is counsel. You're not preaching. It's your wife and you, two of you are talking. And your children are hearing. That's what I call the ambience of faith. It must be the talk. And listen, there's what the Bible calls considering the testimonies. You rehearse testimonies. When people tell you, divide the country into 17 pieces, you explain to them why it is not doable. According to divine counsel. And say, when you are believers, you say, wait, when you are finished dividing it, you don't know it to be more difficult to cross with the gospel from one border to another? Just by the way, let me just digress a bit. Imagine that Nigeria is divided. To go and preach in Bauchi, to go and preach in Bono State, 
or Sokoto, where I go. At least that one I've gone many times and I still go. To go and preach in Sokoto. I can't apply for visa to say I'm a missionary. No matter how Islamic you are in Nigeria today, you can't stop me from coming. Even the bill, they said, Erifah is put. Once I read that bill, I said, why are people talking? Any federal high court judge we are, we are not lit as being unconstitutional. Get a lawyer to read it for you. It's not even the person to law that stands up. And people are already standing up saying, you cannot. <laughs> What's the name of this uh, guy? Omega Fire. <laughs> so the man don't read death, death sentence on his head. So if that thing stands, you will die. You will not say, my ministry is not called Omega Fire for nothing. <laughs> 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 like I said, no, we may talk about No, I'm not trying to say that. Sometimes we don't know the good thing that God is doing for us. We open our mouth just to talking nonsense. This is the reason why God will not divide this country. He, he won't. He won't. He won't. I'm telling you, some of you here will be divided. But your father is from here. They will Solomon you. Divide the child. This one is from the east. This one is from the west. The Lord is good. And we're reading the Bible, right? Okay, so I was saying that that's how we talk. When we're talking, we list everything we say with the counsel of God. That's what I'm going to emphasize. That's why I'm talking about the ambience of faith. The ambience of faith. Our children are listening. We ourselves, we are hearing. I like one thing Pastor Paul said when he came, but there was a new dimension to that for me. He said, when you hear the first time, that's hearing from outside. Then when you utter words, you are hearing from inside. <laughs> that you have not yet heard, really, until you hear from inside. That the words become more powerful when you utter them. And that's why I'm emphasizing to us again. Those are our discussions are the discussions of faith. When we come here and everybody say after me in the name of Jesus, that's not practice. What did I say? Practice. That's practice. Because even if you're a Muslim, you will repeat after me. No matter what you are, you will repeat after me. It is when those words make you repeat them spontaneously. When nobody's dictating what you will say, that is when they really become effective. 